I would say in 2020, I'm not sure I said this on the last podcast, but Jack Bogle or John Bogle has just like, he's consolidated as just like the ultimate investing legend and a massive role model for me. Like being a founder of Vanguard, introducing low cost index funds. You know, he was, he literally has Vanguard, which have trillions of dollars under management. And he was only worth about a hundred million, which is like incredible, essentially how much he done. How much value he provided, right? Yeah, he is provided. I think Warren Buffett has actually said this. The most value out of everyone in the investing game. And he's probably the ultimate investing role model for me. Hey, what's good, everybody? And thank you so much for tuning into episode 75 of Highly Invested, where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal growth, and we ask entrepreneurs, high performers, and content creators about the best investments they've made in themselves that help get them to where they are today. And before we start this episode, I need to plug my new YouTube series, Reality Check Cannabis in 2020. It's an eight-episode edutainment series on the cannabis plant and the new budding cannabis industry in general. It's a little passion project of mine and my effort to help eliminate the negative stigma created over the years by the failed war on drugs that wrongfully associated the most versatile plant on the planet with crime and violence as an excuse to arrest minorities to fill the prison system. Since the natural progression of time has led us to rediscover its medicinal benefits and created a recreational industry that started in Canada with the U.S. next in line, the best time to consider investing is now. So tune into my YouTube channel at Make More Capital or search Reality Check Cannabis in 2020 to learn about the top U.S. and Canadian cannabis companies right now so you can pick the front runner to invest in and cash in on the upcoming Green Rush. All right, and we're live. Ryan, my man at Making Money Simple, how are you doing today? Hello, Jordan. I'm good. Thank you, mate. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for coming back. Yeah. Happy New Year. How's your 2021 been so far? I mean, yeah, I'm from the UK, living in London, and unfortunately, there's another national lockdown. So not the ideal situation, but obviously, as we are speaking about before we started recording, being a content creator, I guess I've got that to fall back on. So even though I can't go out, I can still make content in my room all day. <laughs> You're used to it, right? You're like, okay, yeah. I'll just get back to what I was doing. Um, and yeah, do you mind sharing a little bit about the UK? What's the atmosphere like with, with the whole lockdowns? Is it taking it more seriously this time around? I think people are probably actually taking it less seriously this time around, just because we had, this is our third national lockdown now. So we had one in March, 2020, pretty much when we first, when we did our first podcast, right. but then another one in November, 2020. And now there's another one as of January, 2021. And then even between that bit between the first and second one, it was like a tier system where some parts of the country were pretty much in lockdown. So yeah, I mean, for context, I obviously work as an accountant in London and I've been to the office once in the last 10 months. And that was just essentially to go in and see a couple of the people that, or the team that I'm in. Um, So everything's still locked down other than essential services. Um, I think people are getting a bit fed up, but there's a vaccine here now and that's being rolled out. So I think people are sort of a bit more optimistic, particularly if there was no vaccine. (laughs) Right, right. Now, would you say there's like just a bigger group of people that still don't believe that it's even a problem? Or is it more just like nerves of wanting this to be over with? I think it's more just people are getting sick of lockdown, particularly because obviously the mental health effects of consequence, uh, mental health consequences of right. the lockdown. And I guess they're are... just not prepared to, to like create content all day or just like to be in a house and then pass the time in a way that's not yeah. as like... Yeah, mentally think, just like surprising and tough to deal with yeah but i think the pandemic is bad enough but i think because humans like socializing and particularly like older people as well like maybe they live on their own they haven't been able to socialize much for the last year and i think yeah the mental health right. effects of this are going to be lasting for the years but just i think every whole country same as probably in canada will be happy when it's all over right when it's all over it's just like man it, it does feel like forever but it does pass right so it's good to it's important to be optimistic there's a lot of positive sentiment with vaccines going out and all that so yeah. it's like we're working as fast as we can to make sure things are healthy and you know um at least uh compliant and whatnot so yeah. i just wanted to ask with with your work situation does you know at least has that affected your productivity as an accountant or do you do you like the new model of working from home i do like working from home but there's definitely a middle ground. I would like to work from home maybe two to three days a week and then go into the office two to three days a week. But obviously for like, when I graduated, I was pretty much in the office the whole time. 
and then since March, I've been at home the whole time. It's such a different contrast. You're just like, what yeah. is life? I've, <laughs> a year yeah. of this, a year of that. I think definitely for the social interaction and just like having banter with your mates and stuff is definitely good being in the office. But then I think if you're at home and you're in the zone, then you can be a lot more productive because people aren't around you going for like a tea break or asking you a question. Um, just like pros and cons, like anything, hey. I guess got to find the balance i guess you have to set up guidelines early and just like when to say no certain points so that you're not yeah yeah no, exactly that exactly that because that's one thing is just even like while i was at the office i would make my lunch every day just because it was much easier and convenient and, yeah you know yeah. not easy to say no when people are like oh we're gonna get lunch you want this? Yeah. No, I'm good, but <laughs> yeah very true i mean i'm also just like so set in stone in this routine I, I need to go out and like i need to start making it a, a goal to yeah go out more and just say hi to people on yeah, the street yeah. and be, no, <laughs> and social. Like, socialize i completely agree yeah well at least we can do it over zoom but yeah man like hey 2020 was an awesome year for you and making money simple yeah it was yeah it was a very good year so i was on instagram for the whole of 2019 and i was very sort of inactive well, I wasn't inactive but I was very I wouldn't go on to go on to it for two weeks then I'd post loads for a week and then it was very on and off but then inconsistent really, a better word for it yeah inconsistent and then really when it came to March 2020 I sort of just went hard on being very consistent and somehow that's lasted now all the way till now January 2021 where I'm still being very consistent with it but just like posting every day replying to every DM replying to every comment um slowly breached out to like TikTok Twitter and then as of 2021, I'm now on Spotify and like doing a podcast like you and also YouTube. So, but yeah, 2020 probably set the foundation of building a good base and working really hard whilst I was at home all day long making content. And now hopefully YouTube and the podcast this year will be the focus and it'll be another good year, hopefully. <laughs> good, man. Yeah. Well, it's like reasonable goals and you're giving them a long time frame to get them or to get yeah. to them. So, yeah, so I guess I, pro I probably should say as well, if, yeah, if anyone doesn't know, Making Money Simple is essentially just um, a brand I created, I guess, in 2019 with a focus on financial education. So right. I'm based in the UK. So a lot of, I guess, well, not a lot, but some of my content is related to UK schemes and initiatives. But I'd say overall, I just sort of produce content on just generally sound financial education principles. Um, so yeah, that's sort of like a one 10 second overview <laughs> well it's good you start off with just like this is the idea i'll just start it and then yeah. go from there now I, I gotta ask though because after you get into that zone right is it difficult for you to just not jump to your phone right away and start doing stuff yeah it is hard particularly obviously lockdown at home all day it can be very easy just to go on instagram and check it every hour which obviously isn't healthy <laughs> it's not um, healthy either right yeah. and it's just like there there's a still you still got to be weary of how much time so it is good to obviously switch off sometimes but I guess at the same point in time, I'm trying to make the most of it because I know if there wasn't a lockdown, I'd be going out a lot more, like drinking and like just going out, meeting other friends, seeing family more. So I wouldn't be as productive on the content front. Um, so I'm making, I guess, the lockdown to build up the base and the, the foundation. And I hope I can sustain it once we come out of lockdown, but that's yet to be seen if I can do that. <laughs> oh, I think you can, man. You've, you've put the habits in, right? And it's just, it's just good that you've seen, like that you've done this at a younger age. So you know, going forward that it just opens up a lot of doors that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Less waiting and you're in your future and you're probably just yeah. like, I know I can go get that or I can go do that. So, <laughs> and I do hope to be on your podcast at some point. Yeah. I was going to say actually, yeah, definitely to get, I actually record. So one thing I'm actually sort of doing is I want to get people on from different countries and just talk about the differences in financial education, investing taxes between countries. So I know right. Canada's another example, but I know like British people love Australia and they love Canada. And I actually recorded a podcast with an Australian um, Instagrammer called Ollie from Minted Millennials this morning. So I would, would genuinely actually love, this is a good, we're speaking now. I would love to do a review just about Canada and chat about the differences in the school system, investing, property ladder, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. At least for the investing in school, I can, I can do that. So I'd, I'd be honored, man. No, but it's good. It's, I, I think it, it, well, if anyone's followed your content, you, you're not doing it all at once, right? You're trying these things and it's, just so important. We'll get into this more, but just like the strategies you have to implement to get them done. And so what were some of your 2020 highlights that you can share? So I've actually got a few written down and I actually did this. I actually done this on like the, just before the year ended, just because I wanted to like look back and see, I guess like some good things that I achieved in 2020, because I feel like it's easy to forget about things. Um, so the first one is obviously quite fortunately with coronavirus, both myself 
sorry, fortunately with coronavirus, both myself and pretty much all of my family are very healthy and no one was really affected. So that's luckily lucky. Um, obviously we just touched on the making money simple Instagram, which grew from about 3000 followers to 18,000 followers. And then I branched out into TikTok and Twitter. Um, in terms of the main achievement for making money simple, I sort of completed my first ever project or that big piece of content, which was an ebook called Making Investing Simple, which is completely free. Um, it's 61 pages. Took me a couple of months to write over lockdown. I released it in August. And it's I remember now that though. You were messaging me. I remember that. It's awesome. Yeah. And I now got about 1,600 downloads. And I even now still get good feedback in the DMs of people who just started investing. Um, they've just read the ebook and sort of kickstarting their journey. So that's always good to hear. Um, and then on a more personal level, I was luckily passed three of my accountancy exams. And I sat three more in December, but I won't find out until the end of January, 2021, but hopefully I'll pass them three as well. Um, but yeah, that's sort of like, I guess like a snapshot overview of a few personal and side hustle highlights from uh, 2021. Looks like family check, academics check, yeah. personal goals check. Yeah. Luckily it was, I'm, I sort of, yeah, made the most of it. Well, I'm, I'm sort of looking at a list. It's easy to forget, but then having it all there, it sort of just makes you grateful. Yeah, man. No, it's good too. And like, well, as much as you know that in order to make change, you got to look forward and you, you want to look back less because you know that, you know, looking in the past can take you down different roads. But yeah, no, reflecting on a year is certainly a good, uh, yeah. a good point to start with. Now, do you mind sharing a little bit about like how long did it take for the ebook from start to finish? And then just like from idea to implementation to yeah. getting it ready? I'd say in total, it probably took about three months. So initially just started that I wanted to produce it like a big bit of content that was downloadable. Um, and it was either like a course or an ebook, but I thought I'd rather try an ebook because I hadn't done video at that point. And I sort of, by that point of like, I think when I started writing in probably May or June, 2020, I'd written, written, uh, read dozens of personal finance and investing books. I feel like I knew quite a lot, but I wanted to get it like just all condensed into like an easy to understand approach. So I've called it making investing simple, but it essentially is a beginner's guide to investing. So it goes right from the basics of what is investing and why you should invest. What is the stock market? How does it work? How can you make money? And then it goes into a bit more of the things that I believe in, which is index funds and ETFs, um, how to choose the right broker for you, how to make your first investment, how to keep your fees low, your taxes low. Um, and then at the end, it goes into a few more complex, I, I guess, complex uh, concepts for like the average person, like compounding, diversification, um, that sort of thing. But it's essentially set up so it just gives someone a very quick introduction to investing in the basics and then also how they can start investing every month with index funds and obviously we can talk about like index funds versus active funds but yeah index funds are better <laughs> it covers the bases no exactly i mean no there's no real set out strategy for anyone that doesn't know where to start with their money right yeah. they're going to go to someone else who's paid to to put them somewhere and like yeah, you know yeah. if you can help them prevent that then that's huge and just curious, so like, was there was it an effort of like doing thirty minutes a day over the three months to get it done, or did you have a couple of days where you would put in more hours? Just what was your schedule like in order to achieve it? Yeah, I'd say I probably did work on it daily, just also like the design and like little notes I'd write down on some pages. But I would say probably there was like a few times where I'd spend when you get like a bit of inspiration, and I'd just spend hours sort of writing it out. But then I would then go back the next day or a couple of days and like make it more concise or chop it down a bit or that sort of thing. Um, and I was like restructuring, like what orders the chat that should go in, trying to make it look sort of nice. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to know. Probably, I don't know how many actually hours I put in. Probably about a hundred. Because someone asked me that actually. So I remember speaking to another person who wrote a free ebook and they were saying, yeah, like 80 to a hundred hours. And I reckon that's probably how long it took me um, from like, yeah, like doing the chapters, writing it all, designing it, setting up how to distribute it, all of that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's probably worth it in the end overall, I'd say. And actually, I'm probably hoping in 2021 to release my first ever paid product. I don't know what it will be, but I feel like I've been making obviously free content for two years now. Yeah. I'm hoping to like YouTube and Spotify, they can, that's more like a long-term thing. But I feel like if I want to make Making Money Simple a, Media I guess an income stream and also one day I want to do it full-time, I need to, even though it's not a nice thought, I need to try and start selling a product, probably a book or a course, that's the easiest entry level, I guess, product to sell online. But yeah, that probably won't be for a while, maybe like mid to late 2021. 
well that's sort of one thing I've got in the pipeline um, but the ebook still gets e like still gets a couple of downloads a day I actually just got a notification saying three people have signed up today so <laughs> a, few, a few still come in every now and then Dude, that's amazing though what a feeling and I just think it's it's great that you you know, instead of trying to, to sell an ebook right away, it is a better play to offer a free download. And that way you're actually getting people that aren't even ready to buy now. But like you say, the moment that you're ready to put out that product, they'll come back to you because you've given yeah. them value for free and now they trust yeah. what you're actually well, that's, that's, what, that's what hopefully will happen. <laughs> that's the goal. And was I want to ask though, was that the idea at the beginning? Was that sort of like the long-term thought or you just was like, oh, maybe I'll give it for free? Not really. I always sort of, yeah. Not really, to be honest with you, I, just, I would love to produce everything for free. And generally speaking, I'm quite against courses just because I feel like a lot of the courses are like get-rich-quick schemes, normally on like Forex trading, options trading, all these things that aren't going to make you rich, like plain and simple. But it's like the people that make these courses get rich from selling the course and then like leasing the Lambo for a day and getting loads of photos and then uploading them all year round rather than actually doing the trading and options and the Forex themselves. Right. Um, I feel like... I've been against court against courses for a while, but obviously I'm hoping, yeah, with the trust that I built up um, with people through like the free ebook through two years of making content. And also I think people sort of, I'm not going to be ripping people off. It's going to be solid information. Um, right. So right. I'm sort of, I'm leaning, I'm not against them as I once was, but I just feel like the course like space is just a minefield of people getting ripped off and like fake gurus overselling products. And it's like, you know, 2000 pound course, for today only is like 99 pounds and it's just like they're just right. like scamming people essentially so that's why i was against courses but coming back to essentially you know i'm a nine to five by day accountant i would much rather make content making money simple turn it into a brand where i can do it full time and if i'm going to do that i'm going to have to monetize and i can't wait forever i feel like two years of doing it i now need to sort of later on in this year take the plunge get myself out there of a product um Probably, probably a book or a course, as I said, and then sort of see how it goes. But I will obviously emphasize that this isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm not ripping you off. If you're not happy with it, let me know and I will refund you. Um, all of that sort of stuff. So, Yeah, yeah. well, it, th those overpriced courses are a bit much. And, and when you see that, it's just crazy that people buy them. It is. That's a yeah. tough thing. And a lot of it is exactly like you say. They, they might not even have the skill set, but somehow they've gathered the audience. Maybe they have the money for the ad spend, but it's like, they're showing a recipe, but they're not showing how they actually cook yeah. it. And it's so easy. Even like, like so drop shipping and Shopify, you literally can edit your website. You can edit your website's code. You can find a video on YouTube in like five seconds and change your orders from $0 to like $4,000 in about five seconds. Right. And then people like, it's obviously, it's a bit sad. Like these are, it is sad, but like these people like target kids on TikTok and Instagram who are maybe teenagers and then they think it's real. Oh, obviously not everyone is like that. There are some no, good people out there, but right. I feel like the whole like course space when it comes to making money online and like Forex, dropshipping, options is just, yeah, a minefield. But obviously my course, if I did do one, wouldn't be anything like that. It'd be on like financial education, how to invest for the long term, index funds, buy and hold, all the sort of principles that I preach about through my ebook and through my content, but it'd be a lot more in detail. Um, and a lot more, I guess, yeah, just sort of collating everything together. So yeah. someone's essentially got a investing and financial education blueprint. But I would, yeah, don't want to be associated with any of them Forex or no, dropshipping scammers. <laughs> well, you're revolutionizing the courses, right? Because, hey, when you think about the internet, too, it's still the wild, wild west. But mm. what we're seeing now is a decade of, of exactly that, of, of, sorry, of sort of like fake selling dreams, right? And, and then once you actually buy the course, you realize like, Oh wait, I've got to get this ClickFunnels subscription, and then I got to get yeah. this. And yeah. it's just not telling; it's not being full, yeah. uh, fully transparent. It's just interesting yeah. that you mentioned that you can on any website actually you could change the code if you know how to do it. Yeah, and, and take a picture. And like even the company I work for, I had an affiliate that did that, and he made a YouTube channel with fake stats, and he's built up a, a following. And I want to say like to my boss, can't we kick his account? And they're like, oh well, you know, technically there's not much. The what? Like yeah. That's shocking, shocking. I, it is shocking. And, and it's not something you're happy about. You know, I, I, I have plans to, to move on to new opportunities, mainly just for, for the leadership and the lack of yeah. leadership and stuff. But, yeah, um, but at the end of the day, what, what they worry about 
well, are we going to make money from them? As long as we make a little bit of money, it's yeah. worth it. I don't think so. I'm all about integrity, right? And I know you yeah, are too. Yeah. And that, I, yeah, I think like Warren Buffett that said it takes 50 years to build trust and integrity and then five seconds to destroy it. It's terrible. Exactly, right? But it, it's good that you see that, man, because it's just, well, from, from, from what you're telling me and just from what we see in the community and hopefully going forward, we see more of, of that, like generating true value. Yeah. So that's, that's the plan. Yeah, man. Now you've been crushing it on IG though. Like you mentioned, can you share some of like habits or any new uh, growth tips that you implemented that, that have helped? You don't have to share all the good stuff, but yeah, no, no, no. I will share as much. So I get this question quite regularly on Instagram um, in terms of growth strategies. And personally, I don't think there's any secret and I don't think it's rocket science. I think it's just about consistency and engagement. So I've been on it for two years now and I've essentially gone from, naught to 20k followers which is a big number but then some people hit 20k in one month three months six months so relatively speaking it's probably actually quite slow compared to other um like uh, i guess content creators but then it's also fast compared to some people so the two tips i'd say is consistency and engagement so consistency we spoke about already and that was what i struggled with in 2019 but you need to really be posting daily if possible right. on both your feed and your story the problem is with like YouTube and a podcast like this is very dynamic content. So people can search, you know, on YouTube, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then it will come up from six months ago but with Instagram. Generally speaking, all of your engagement is going to come from the day that that post is live. So you need to be constantly making posts and if possible, original content, just because people show you put effort into it. You know, you're sharing your opinion, you know, why don't you like dividends? Why index funds the best, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then second of all, it's just engagement. So even now, I've got 19,500 followers. I will literally reply to every single DM, every single comment. I'm sending voice notes to people when they say, like, how can I start investing? Essentially just trying to provide more value than anyone else does. And then also leaving as many comments as possible onto other people's posts, like insightful comments, whether that's a friend like you or big pages who have like millions of followers trying to leave sort of an insightful comment and like contribute to the discussion. Right. Um, so yeah, I'd say consistency and engagement. I mean, you can go down a group of things. There are like eBooks written on this and now like posts at certain times, you know, power likes, engagement groups, uh, like don't do this. I just find, I feel like, yeah, when it comes to investing, keep it simple, index funds. When it comes to content creation, keep it simple, post daily or as possible as you can. Um, and then, uh, yeah, be in, engaged with as much as possible. In terms of habits, you sort of, it is quite hard. I actually personally prefer sitting down Mm -hmm. and making a few posts at once because then I get like in the mood and the juices are flowing and then sort of build up a bank for a few days. Right. Um, I find that if I was to make a new post every single day, it'd be quite difficult. So I maybe on like the weekend or like during the middle of the week we'll make a few posts. Um, obviously, personally, my page is quite broad and I sort of sprinkle like a few videos in there with investing advice, a few memes, a few tweets, some original content I make on Canva which Canva is the platform that I use to make all my content and it's really good. Right. Um, so I'd say, yeah, just in terms of growth, just consistency and engagement and in terms of habits, my personal approach is to sit down and make a few posts at a time, but you sort of got to try and work out what works best for you given you know, your job, your family life, whatever you've got going on. Yeah. But I you have to make the time for it if you, and it's a long-term thing as well. A very, like, I think people think they're going to go on Instagram and just overnight, get engaged followers and it doesn't work like that you need to be consistently posting consistently providing value to people um and then the snowball effect starts to come over time yeah well and then you get a community before you even realize yeah 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 and i have some, I have some people who i literally speak to every day who would just message me like even like little questions or stuff and then you do start building up a cute little community essentially of people who are all like investing and learning together because even though i've been in it for two years and i've probably read I don't know, 50 plus books at this point. I'm still only 23. I'm still learning new things about finance and investing and financial education every day. Um, so I essentially just share it. And that is another quite a good thing, actually. If you have no idea where to start, um, and I know a lot of people in, in the UK do this for property, just like document your journey of like yes. buying your first property or making your first investment. But as I was saying, I still don't know everything, far from it, like reading books and learning every day. So even if you just document your journey, what are you learning? You know, you made your first investment. You're trying to get on a property ladder in six months time. You've spoke to a mortgage broker today. Here's the one you spoke to. Here's their fee. And then you sort of 
yeah. If you want to create original, I create content, but if or like I guess like unique posts, but if you don't want to do that or don't know where to start, I think documenting your journey yeah. is a very good thing to do. And you can like build trust with the audience. They start to get to know you and like you and that sort of thing. Yeah. Sorry. I sort of overloaded. There's a lot of things I just said. Oh no, yeah, that's okay. Five, no, five no. minutes. <laughs> it's so important that long-term approach though, right? It's, it's, I, it's not that we all have short attention spans and I don't think deep down it would stay that way. Like we've been bombarded for about a decade from social media apps that we like, we thought were cool and now we're realizing that like kind of distract us from what our overall goal is if we're not set on yeah. what that goal is um and so it, it's true though because people will just kind of go into it and just not give it enough time when ultimately they just have to like you say figure out a way to storytell that's really interesting now are you thinking of going with the approach of a media company in the financial education space or have you heard of that idea of just like how it is interesting we've come to a time where the middlemen no longer exist because the internet has taken that out yeah I have thought about that and I think about this quite a lot in terms of, you know, just say I am lucky and over the next few years have like a successful YouTube channel and like podcast and I, sh- and I can then sort of get ad revenue from that. But then super long term, I think having some sort of, yeah, financial education platform or media company where it like gets into the masses. Yeah. I don't know whether that's through a TV program, through um, schools and a school system through just social media maybe a collection of them but i feel like yeah because just i'm really successful and lucky make loads of money from youtube or whatever you you still you always want to do more and contribute more and i feel like and and just don't 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 underscore the amount of time that goes into setting the channel up too right yeah yeah like I, i do feel like yeah I don't know, a media company or platform i don't know which is the right word i do think no but it's it's interesting because like you are a media company as of right now yeah yeah so, so i feel that'd be like the long-term thing having a sort of established platform that's a proper private company that give or, or even like educate even going into corporate firms and financial right. education going into schools financial education on like tv and radio promoting financial education through social media i feel like there are quite a lot of things but at the moment even though i have built up a following i'm still very much grounded and just trying to continue to build it across different platforms yeah. before i and also because i'm working full-time i haven't really got the okay. time at the moment to like right. have a full-blown company going on yeah no it's a good point but no it's, it's just it's so interesting because like you say we all started with the idea of just a brand right and at the end of the day it just seems like well brand is the best sort of way to go long term so yeah. long oh, i st- think so i think so especially yeah oh, no, i agree yeah and just as long as you stick to it man i just no matter what you'll get there at the end which is great and just implementing youtube and podcasts because i do think it's like once you've got it out there over time if if you keep going and you keep building your exposure those views are only going to escalate and go up yeah yeah completely i just thought of this one though so it's a bit of a curveball but what generation did you set out to make content for when you started making money simple um not anyone in particularly really my main demographic is 18 to 30 year olds which i guess probably quite obvious because they're probably the most people that use social media as well right um i don't ever set demographic though to be honest with you that's good um, well, i just want to share if, if i did have to choose one now i would probably and like obviously they're different like media companies i would probably say uh like teenagers like schools right. going into schools and maybe educating people on you know like what are taxes what are mortgages credit cards investing all of that stuff right um but yeah not didn't really have anyone in mind, to be honest with you. I just was passionate about personal finance, stock market, investing, knew that I didn't want to work a nine to five for 45 years. And I wanted to have my own business, be my own boss at some point. I wasn't like an athlete or a singer or an actor. So I guess going down the more sort of entrepreneurial route of creating my own brand and that I might have an interest in with personal finance and financial right. education. And then, yeah, it's just sort of grown from there really. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I didn't have that thought at all once I started, but I, I just, I've had the most success myself on TikTok recently. And I mean, a lot of factors I would imagine, I think it's just because of the software and being able to storytell in a minute. It's, it's just a little bit different, yeah. but I just, you know, I almost started out making my content or trying to help people my age. And I just realized maybe later, like a couple months ago, that just like, wow, I'm, I seem to be just more popular for this age group. <laughs> Like the younger age group seems to yeah. re- receive the content better. So just, it's funny how 
just so little time it was really spent figuring out who my target mark audience was yeah. but then thankfully because i've started and because you've started you, you you pick up on that over time right from the feedback yeah, that's the beautiful thing about creating content and documenting your journey and interest because you've had a product for you say like, like i don't know dragon's den or shark tank you have a product one of the first questions i can ask you is what is your target market what country what demographic and you almost bottleneck yourself but if you're making content on personal finance doesn't matter if you're 15 or 50, everyone needs money, wants money, wants to make more, wants to invest their money. So you can start broad and then narrow down as you become an expert in a field or like you realize you like, I guess, educating a certain age group or something like that. Yes. So sorry. I don't, I, I talk too much. I, I, apologize. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I, I just get excited and I don't want to forget what it's in my head. So I try and get it out, but Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, it's, it's something I didn't consider. And then like, what's also funny though is as a kid, the content that I consumed, you know, the music I would listen to, just realizing that like, it's just funny that like at a time someone's making content for, you know, a new generation and then we're making it for the next. It's just so yeah, cool, yeah. big picture, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that is cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's great, man. Cause think about the work you're putting in at 23 where you'll be at 33, it's just like, Long term, long term. Long term, dude. And so, are you still studying? Yeah, I've got three right. more exams left in the summer. I should be hopefully qualified, qualified chartered accountant in about September 2021. Okay. And just curious, like working remotely, because you are, you're working as well, probably like your first few years? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, how, how much are you working like full time regularly? Yeah. It, it, so essentially how it works is it's full time. But then when exams come around, you have like a few weeks off before the exam and you'll be in college. Normally it's in person, but obviously last year it was online. And you sort of blitz through, it's like big days, a lot of revision in the evenings and the weekends. It's quite intense for them, three or four weeks. And then you do the exams and then you go back to work. And then a few months later, you have another three exams. And it's sort of like that spread out throughout the year. Okay, gotcha. And so how do you make the time? <laughs> like yeah, honestly, it is hardest when the exams come around particularly the week or two before the exams because the company that I'm at we do three at a time um normally you only do two at a time max but we do three at a time and it is brutal and intense the amount of content is pretty insane but that was the thing so when I did my exams in September I was essentially MIA on Instagram for like two weeks I didn't post anything I didn't even go on it because I was stressed right. but when I did the exams in December I was a lot more tactical in terms i start in terms of two things i started rising slightly earlier and also i had like a bank of posts so even if it was just like a tweet that i took me like a minute to just make on canva i could still post at least every other day and keep the like, engagement and consistency going right. uh, definitely when the exams come around and obviously anyone that does has done a professional qualification probably knows this that is very intense and very difficult and they require so much attention that that is, much is bandwidth, hard. mental bandwidth. Yeah. It's quite hard then. And that's like when that happens, so many things go out the window, like the gym routine, reading daily, all of that sort of stuff. It's just revised, revised, revised. Right. Well, it's practice, right? Practice for yeah. the test. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, man. And I think you covered the, with the point there is just like, Hey, when this comes around, I have to wake up earlier and just, you do what you got to yeah, do. Right. Yeah. It's exactly that. Nice. Like finding the time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, no one's going to make it but you, right? Now, I want to ask you about crypto because I know that, I mean, how do we not pay attention to what's happening there? Now, how has it, how has what's happened in the last three months or even say last month with crypto, has it changed your view on it at all? Not particularly. So I bought crypto in the 2017 bubble. I remember I bought 300 pounds worth. It went up to about a thousand pounds worth. And then when it all crashed, it was worth maybe about 50 pounds. So, and that was the same year that I started investing into like index funds through my tax efficient account um so i was still very new to it but i did quite a lot of research into crypto at the start of 2020 i read quite a few books the, the best one being crypto assets and since march of 2020 i've been buying bitcoin and ethereum weekly normally about 30 to 50 pounds worth sometimes bitcoin mainly it's probably 80 20 bitcoin ethereum right and i actually posted this on my story today but i'm currently up like 250 percent on them positions, um, it's insane. When I first started buying Bitcoin, it was 7K uh, in, in pounds, right. and now it's worth more than 30K in pounds, and obviously 40K in dollars, right. um, in US dollars. So 
it's pretty incredible to honestly view. I think the main thing that's driven it this time is institutional buyers. So like PayPal saying they're going to make, you can like buy and sell in crypto on their platform. Obviously micro strategy and other, I guess like public companies buying a lot of Bitcoin, even things like Elon Musk. Um, he's saying like he's looking into converting Tesla's dollars into Bitcoin. I can't remember his name as well, but I know the owner of the Warriors he, oh, Chamath. Chamath. Yeah, Pattaya. yeah I love that guy. Massive entrepreneur. He's always talking about Bitcoin. So I feel like, I feel like it is probably becoming a bit of a bubble now again, but it's backed a lot more now by institutional investors and with like big money moving in. Um, but it is a very high risk investment. It's impossible to know what's going to happen to it. But mm. I think, and it is still a very a new asset class. Like people forget it's only been around for 12 years. And I think, on average, pretty much every two or three years, it's dropped by over 70%. So I wouldn't recommend people investing heavily in it, but it certainly should be a port. I personally believe it should be at least a part of your portfolio because 20% of all US dollars have been printed this year, right? Yeah. And that's essentially the global reserve currency. If the dollar goes to pop, crypto is going to skyrocket even more. And it's, the dollar is slowly devaluing. And Biden um, wants to print $2 trillion more for the Green New Deal, so more money printing. Yeah. So... Yeah, and it's, like, it's one of the things. So for me personally, it was about 8% of my, well, I had it between 5 and 10%, and right. it was about 8% about three months ago. Um, and now it's worth over 20% of my portfolio because it's gone so high in value. Right. I essentially need to decide now, do I just hold and then, or do I maybe sell like 6% and put it into an index fund? Um, I, think, I think you should just forget about it. Long but yeah, my essentially, I also use a hardware wallet now. So mm-hmm. all of my crypto is offline. It's not on any exchange. It's not on any platform, which is okay. the best way to store crypto as well offline. Because exchanges always have scandals and hacks and you don't want to lose any of your crypto. Um, so it would actually be hassle for me to then transfer onto an exchange, sell it. So I feel like I probably will just buy and hold, which is my investing approach for everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's usually the, the best long-term one, right? But I just want to share a few things with you because um, no, exactly. Chamath is someone I've been following for a while as a, as a Canadian with the experience in the tech and uh, Silicon Valley. He mentioned today, he's like, and I agree exactly what you said. It's just like maybe even just 1% of your sliver. Just I yeah. would rather have some than not. And he's saying it's more of insurance for if the people running the entire system really fuck it up. Yeah. The thing is, it's probably only a matter of time until banks and um, governments try to shut it down. Yeah. And I know like HSBC in the UK, one of my followers actually shared an article with me, whereas HSBC, which is a massive bank in the UK, they're essentially, I can't off the top of my head, but it was like just trying to block crypto transactions and they said they're not going to adopt it. Obviously, you know, a, a brick and mortar bank, all these old school governments with old school people in them are going to be opposed against it because it's just going to affect them. So... But then because it's decentralized and you can obviously see the transactions through blockchain, <laughs> they can't really stop it even if they wanted to. Um, but I reckon there will be a lot more, I think, over the next decade, highs and lows due mainly to regulation. And I know there was like an, there was, um, I know in the UK as well, there's been like Bitcoin ETCs, so exchange traded commodities. Right. And essentially they were using like derivatives and not actually holding the asset. Um, which is getting a, bit <laughs> getting a bit technical, but essentially long story short, they were selling this product that was essentially like not what it should have been. And then it's been banned now. So I feel like it's an uphill battle, you know, but I think the day we get a cryptocurrency ETF or index fund is the day when it's going to be here to stay. And hopefully that'll be in a couple of years time. <laughs> I know that like the Vinkelwas brothers right. um, have been trying to push that through for ages and but it won't get through the SEC in the US, but um, hopefully... Yeah. I think it's I think long term though, yeah, as you said, even a couple of percent of your portfolio, it's just a sensible hedge against um, the dollar. And also any currency. currency. Yeah. Right. Well, just think about it. you sitting in the UK, me sitting in Canada, we don't really see, um, you know, the, the effects of, a, you know, corrupt governing and really yeah. weak currency and lack of control. But 80% of the world sees that every day and so that's where it's like think about the value of a decentralized currency and using that decentralized currency to get access to us dollars and the big thing is right so you sell a house generally speaking the fees to sell a house are going to be about five percent you're like solicitors lawyers accountants right if you can just essentially go direct to the vendor and then just transfer them bitcoin in about a minute that's exactly what they want you can cut out so many fees and that's really like a very bullish case for 
uh, Bitcoin, where, you know, being a currency, day, a cur transactions that took days to settle and had huge fees involved can be done instantaneously at no fee because yeah. of the decentralized global currency that it is. Yeah, and exactly. It's a bit scary too, though, because if you think it, the, the success of Bitcoin also kind of teeters on the restructuring of what we currently have, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of, maybe up and down moments coming for just the global economy. Yeah, but I mean, hey, you know what? Change is important. And I feel like just in general too, there's been a lot of just stagnation over the years with, you know, Trump in power for four yeah. years too. So in a way- Ray Dalio talks about this a lot. It's like the long-term debt cycle in between right. the short-term debt cycles. And essentially how, even though it doesn't feel, it feels weird for us living in the moment, over the long-term, currencies have come and gone. And that's yeah. been very common. Like currencies come, they go, change happens. And I feel- just because the US dollar is the global currency doesn't mean to, not, not that not the Bitcoin is going to become the global currency. Like it's impossible to know, but. No, well, China's number global. one goal is to overrun the US yeah. as the global currency. I was going to say, yeah, but, but it would like, even though it's probably still unlikely at this stage, it wouldn't be unlikely if there is a new, brand new currency in like 100 years time, just because every hundred years, every, every like few centuries, the currency changes as the economy changes and people's needs and wants change. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's easy to forget that, right? If you only look at school history books and not actually yeah. if you open up a couple books. So it's, yeah. it's wild, man. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. really book called the Bitcoin Standard, actually, which goes through like the uh, sort of history of money and how it's changed and evolved between different like, times and centuries and that sort of thing. Is that a book or? Yeah, a book, yeah. Called Bitcoin Standard. Okay, I want to yeah. get that. I will read that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Crypto Assets is my number one Bitcoin. Uh, I actually read that one already. Yeah. From it's you. Like the intelligent investor, but for crypto, and it's very, like I think, level-headed and goes through like the basics of what is crypto, what is blockchain, how do you store it, what are exchanges, why is there a need for it, um, and that's the book I always recommend to people: crypto assets. But if you want a bit more of the history, um, then the Bitcoin Standard is another good one. Okay, cool. Thank you. No, I do like that book too because it starts off like two thousand and eight. Remember this idea, and then now it's like once something hits the fan and people don't have jobs. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. it serves a purpose there. Right here. I wanted to ask, I see you're moving into individual stocks more and, you know, less reliant on the, the traditional index fund. So um, was it a tough decision for you to, to eventually do that? Or is it something that through content or creating content learning and just naturally over time with all this practice that like, you're just confident. You're like, no, this is a good company and I want to have my money here. I don't actually have that many individual stocks. Well, you've but, got Alibaba, you've got a few of them, right? Yeah. So let me give you a bit of history. So before I knew what index funds were, I invested into Facebook and Alibaba. And that was in, I think, mid-2018. And I've been holding them since because I still keep up to date the like, financial statements, the press releases, um, that sort of thing. Right. But I invested into them before I knew what Vanguard was and index funds. And essentially, since them to investment, um, since then to investments, I mainly just invest monthly automatically into a global index fund right. and over 50 percent of my even more than that actually or my total portfolio across all of the different brokers that i have is in a global index fund or etf um but so that are two main individual stocks that i own which have actually done well i think they've gone off about 50 or 60 percent um since i bought them two and a half years ago and i also have been buying o or realty income recently just really? because yeah, I really just haven't got any property exposure and they've got a monthly dividend. And I feel like having a few hundred pounds parked in there isn't a bad thing. Um, but I'd say my approach is probably still very much index funds just because I think that when it comes to investing into individual stocks, people just sort of what most people just speculate or gamble, they don't really read the financial statements, look at the industry, look at the company, you know, like what is the risk of investing in that company? They just think, right. like, oh, yeah, Amazon and Tesla it's going to do good. I'm going to stick like a grand in there, but that's not really investing. It's more speculating. Um, yeah. Well, I think definitely. Yeah. So I think I'm always going to probably keep about, even though it's tilted a bit now because crypto has done so well, I think I would still probably keep maybe about 20% individual stocks. Um, but yeah, still mainly an index funds about 70%. Um, but I do actually enjoy reading financial statements and like researching companies. But since I start, that's the thing I did quite a lot in uni. Okay. And I was like, when I first bought Facebook and Alibaba, but since having a full-time job and trying to make content on the side, I just don't really have enough time to be listening to calls, right. reading shareholder analysis, reading financial statements, all of that sort of stuff. No, that, that's a full-time job most like in itself. And yeah, I just have to put in the time. But 
Um, like, I mean, I imagine Facebook and Alibaba have been good investments for you. Even yeah, so- they're big good investments. But yeah, sorry, I should have said, I should have said they were like before you started as an index funds. <laughs> no, but no, that like, man, I started my first, my first investment was in a cannabis company individually because it was just that hype got me into it. And then yeah. when, I, when that failed miserably, but I was like, okay, well, I made money quickly. I lost it right away, but I made money really quickly. There's something in here, right? The more you, you take time and, and learn it, it your, your risk tolerance just sort of diminishes because you just yeah. sort of understand yeah. the underlying complexity of different things more. So yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and then what industries are you most bullish on right now? Just with all this disruptive investing, Kathy Wood and ARK ETFs. And so what are you leaning towards? I think stuff like blockchain, AI, VR, like, all, yeah, that sort of stuff is probably going to be the future. But my approach is very, as I mentioned, just global index funds and yeah. own the entire world. I know obviously in, in the US, they like to say own the total US stock market. And I essentially own that through my global index fund, which is about 60% US. Right. Um, but I just find it difficult to bet on massively on individual companies, individual countries, individual sectors. And I'd rather just take like the Jack Bogle approach of just owning them all. And then whatever happens, I'll be fine. If I had to pick, I'd probably say like crypto related companies. I know Coinbase are going to IPO. Um, and then probably like AI. Uh, but I think it's like with them sort of new technologies, you then have like Facebook, Amazon, Tesla, that Google, they're all in them technologies. It's almost hard to bet against like the big stocks already because they have the most advantage. Yeah. So yeah. So it's sort of, yeah, it's hard to predict honestly. you. Sorry, I haven't got a very good answer for that one. No, that's okay, man. And I really think anything that's forward thinking, but like really solves problems, just you wouldn't have imagined how much of a success Zoom would have been, you know, in February of yeah. last year, just until, um, and it, it's just, like it's fascinating because it's just like the circumstances of the world almost dictated their success there. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah. It's, it's funny how things have changed and just forced change in different areas and different industries, but um, anything tech related too, because it's just like once you can get, yeah. what is it too with technology? It's like the, the product, like you can shave off what it costs to, uh, I shouldn't, bring this up you, you can reduce the price of it mass- reduce the cost of it massively yeah it's just like once you set it up the cost essentially just like it just it doubles the ability like a processing power but then it like the cost never it get, never gets more expensive right so yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. once you set up the technology it can continue to process faster and faster which makes it better and better but over that time it doesn't cost you anything to do yeah it. yeah i see what you're saying that's what's fascinating about technology and that's just a whole new thing to get into but well then you, <laughs> you say you don't mention or you don't really pay attention too much to countries but are there any countries that you're bullish on just from thought of like I mean, long-term I th- outlook? Yeah. I think like emerging markets probably. Um, yeah. Cause generally like, I, I say probably the U S first of all, just because even though the S and P is like all time highs, overvalued, whatever, it's got the biggest companies in the world that serve the most consumers in the world. Right. Um, so it's, even though there are some big companies today that probably won't exist in 20 years, it's probably hard to bet against the U S. Um, and then other than that, I probably say emerging markets, honestly, you. Um, and like the global index fund that I invest into is 10% emerging markets, which is like an allocation I'm happy with. But I just think sort of, yeah, like China, South Korea, like Thailand, Vietnam, as these countries become more developed, I can see them doing well. Asia, I yeah. Well, reason for it, but I just think emerging markets, a bit more high risk. But I feel having a bit there is good in case they take off. Right. Well, it touches back to what you said earlier. It's like over time that has happened, right? Countries yeah. have risen, countries have fallen. And um, there's a guy named Jim Rogers. He's an uh, American investor, but he, he became well known because I think he was the first person ever to ride a motorcycle around the world. Right. Oh, I've heard of him actually. Do well, I'm just reading his book called Adventure Capitalist and it's fantastic. But he talks about that approach, going to the ground in every country to really get an idea of where they're going. And one thing is that when people don't want to deal in their own currency, in that country, that's when you know you don't invest in it. Just little <laughs> things like that. Um, but what he thinks, like he moved his family to China and his daughters now speak complete Mandarin because he's like, China's going to take over in oh, wow. 30 years or so. And yeah, uh, But it's because he's like, they've got the discipline. They, hard, they work hard. And it's just like, imagine all the production in the US. Now, again, I, I'm not saying any of this is true. This is what he's saying. So it's like, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. interesting. Right. And not to say that like, all you can do is take information and be like, okay, well, how can I apply this? Right. So definitely I'll add that to the reading list. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'll send, I'll, let me send it to you. I have the ebook. So. Oh, legend. Yeah. Thank you. It's a good one, man. Cause I've been, I've been reading it for this week. It's like long, but it, it literally takes you around the world. So it's. Yeah. Very yeah. That's cool. 
Yeah, man. And so are you still planning to, to purchase real estate or is that on hold at least until you maybe get the accounting thing sorted? Yeah. So I think I was very set on doing it towards the end of 2020, but I think being a bit more, like thinking it through it more, I think I probably will have to wait until I've finished my exams just because trying to obviously start now making a YouTube video, a podcast episode and a blog post every single week, which is what I'm trying to do like at the start of the year. And then also then I've got a few exams which I'll be in college for in April and then doing them in July. It's going to be probably like quite an intense first six months of the year. And I feel like chucking in a property investment on top of that <laughs> is going to be pretty brutal. So I think I'm probably going to put it off until late, 20, late 2021, maybe even early next year, but it's still something I have got my mind set on. And I think it would be quality of one day. Like I've like sort of like a 50, 50 split of doing property doing them up, using investors' money to get them a return and make myself money whilst then doing Making Money Simple, content creation, financial education platform, and like combine the sort of, I guess, like two different investing disciplines. Right. Um, but yeah, it's still in the pipeline, but I'm probably gonna have to push it further back. Just when I took a step back and looked at it, it's probably a bit unrealistic doing it in the first half of 2021. <laughs> Fair. Well, I mean, hey, it's, it's imagine you're going for your last exam and then you get a call. Hey, there's a big flood or something. Yeah. It's added stress, yeah. I think. Ultimately. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and no, it's a good point. I mean, honestly, I think if you're in your 20s, you can buy a house and you're going to get a ton of debt for it and you can always flip it. But the stock market, no matter what, if you're getting paid dividends, at least, you know, you're not putting your money in a liability. You feel good yeah. about putting it into an asset. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Good, man. And then, so yeah, 2021 goals, um, just any habits or how do you plan to accomplish the, the weekly podcast, the YouTube? Yeah. It's really just trying to get ahead of the game. So right. for example, like for this week now, it's a Sunday, Sunday the 10th of January for this week coming up, I've already got the podcast, the YouTube video and the blog post all like ready to go and scheduled. Right. So I'm sort of trying to get ahead of the game and do things a week in advance. Um, particularly like, so I can then haven't got to stress about doing it at the last minute. Um, right. But yeah, in terms of the goals, as I mentioned, yeah. So when it comes to making money simple, it's like weekly content, particularly on YouTube and Spotify. And then for myself, I want to try and hit a 30% investing and savings rate, um, which is quite low compared to these like people on Instagram who have like 70%, which is amazing. Right. But I'm renting in London at the moment. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'm able to save more because of uh, obviously lockdown and I'm not going out to pubs or eating out. But I think 30%, is what I sort of ended up with in like October, November, December of 2020. And I want to try and keep that going around 30%. Um, and also read 18 books. Good. Now probably more personal goals. But then, yeah, a lot of them this year, I just focused on the side hustle and getting that taken off. And I think the habits is just like, so I've got like a habits tracker, like sort of spreadsheet. And I sort of try and look at it every day, to just remind myself, even like simple things like read, you know, drink water, do some exercise, just like simple things, but then you sort of think about it and then it just gets you thinking. So you actually do do it rather than just going days without thinking about something. Right. Um, but yeah, I think habits is just, yeah, just being consistent sort of doing, as I said, like making maybe like getting things scheduled in advance, making a bulk of Instagram posts. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's really a secret formula. It's just about putting being disciplined and putting in the work essentially. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's true, man. And I do think though, yeah, the intention goes a long way. Right. And so by, by at least you getting it done a week ahead, you're, you're making sure that you're, you're in control of it. And hopefully, hopefully it lasts, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I think you'll do great with it. I'm just excited to watch that. And it's good. Everyone I've been able to connect with, like we just keep growing and uh, yeah, I guess that's all you can really do. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so are you aiming to be the CFO of Arsenal anytime too? Like, would you, turn <laughs> would you turn that down if you got the opportunity? You know what? My, funny you say that. My ultimate dream, and I wrote this in Think and Grow Rich when I was reading it, is to like buy Arsenal FC. <laughs> oh, I love the bag behind you. I couldn't help but yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Anyone that doesn't like Arsenal, I'm not going to enjoy this video. Um, <laughs> or audio. Yeah, they can't see it, luckily. <laughs> but uh, the Arsenal pillow. But um, yeah, that'd be like the ultimate dream, essentially. But obviously to do that, I would essentially need to make a company IPO and go public, which is a long way off, but financial freedom will do. But obviously, yeah, if I could have some sort of part in Arsenal, whether it's like on the board or then one day actually owning it, which I'll probably need about three or four billion pounds for. Start compounding, know. man. Eh? <laughs> yeah. 
But, I mean, hopefully that's the ultimate, ultimate dream. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I asked that because, I mean, clearly it, it, you're a big soccer, big football fan. Sorry, I'll use the right terminology. Yeah, that's a swear word. I can't say soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Wash my mouth out with soap. <laughs> no, yeah, it's good. I'm, well, I'm glad, man. It's especially too, like when you can incorporate something that you've grown up loving the whole time and like, how can you use that as motivation? What not? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I imagine you'll be a season ticket holder and you'll go to a lot of games once yeah. lockdown's over and things. Yeah, I've got a season ticket. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to go since last March. Oh. But we actually did get tickets for one of the games in December against Southampton. But the UK got put into a, I think London got put into a tier where you couldn't go to a football match the day before. So I couldn't go to it. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely Well, this will pass, man, soon enough. Yeah, now, i got three yeah. quick ones for you, okay? So we'll yeah, wrap yeah. fire before we end. Um, so any new role models that you picked up over the last year? Just an interesting person that you think people should be worth, or that's worth looking into? I would say in 2020, I'm not sure I said this on the last podcast, but Jack Bogle or John Bogle right. has just like, he's consolidated as just like the ultimate investing legend and a massive role model for me. Like being a founder of Vanguard, introducing low cost index funds. You know, he was, he literally has Vanguard, which had trillions of dollars under management. And he was only worth about a hundred million, which is like incredible, essentially how much he done. How much value ever. he provided, right? Yeah, it's, he is provided. I think Warren Buffett's actually said this, the most value out of everyone in the investing game. Wow. And he's probably the ultimate investing role model for me. Um, and obviously, other one, another one, big one would be Ray Dalio. I really like his thought process and looking at the macro economy. Um, yeah, Jack Bogle, 100% ultimate role model when it comes to investing. Yeah, everyone's got to know who he is, legit. Like, oh, yeah, hero for everyone. And then, uh, how many browser tabs do you have open on your computer right now? I have currently got open seven. But one of them is the post attendees for Zoom, so six. <laughs> Good, okay, fair enough. We really have a lot more than this, actually. But three of them are YouTube videos that I want to watch. And then, yeah, there's some other random things at the end. <laughs> Is that a 21st century problem? Like, I have too many tabs open. I can't close them because... <laughs> it's definitely a 21st century problem. <laughs> definitely. And then lastly, is there anything you learned recently that was really important that you think is worth sharing? Yeah, so one thing I learned recently was I have read a book recently called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And I can't believe I didn't read it before. It was probably, it's quite basic in sort of goes through like credit cards and investing in index funds, but it's an amazing book for, the, for, who's, for someone who's a beginner or who maybe has a bit of knowledge but wants to know a bit more. And is the um, author Rami? Yeah. I believe, yeah. Rami, yeah. Um, I actually sent him an email just saying how good it was, but um, I think it's just great. I, I put it down as now like a must read because it's just so good for a beginner. But there's a thing that, so I used to always think if people buy daily coffees or spend like 500 pound on a Gucci t-shirt, that is stupid. Like straight up, why would you do that? It's a waste of your money. But through that book, what I've learned is if someone like loves that Gucci t-shirt or loves a daily coffee, that is completely fine. And they can spend money on what they want. And you shouldn't judge people for what they spend their money on as long as they're hitting their goals first. So that, you know, if they have a goal of investing 10% and saving 10% and they hit them goals, they can spend their rest of their income on whatever they want as long as it makes them happy. Right. But the problem is obviously when you have someone who, is maybe having 5%, like not hitting a goal essentially, and then they're then still buying these things they don't need. Um, but yeah, that's probably a big thing I learned. You shouldn't yeah. judge people what they spend their money on, which I used to do, but now it's sort of like, you know, if that, like, you know, he's wearing a, like a thousand pound suit, but if he's investing 30% of his income, then fair play to him. He's being happy, enjoying spending his money on what he likes, right. whilst also hitting his goals. So yeah. Good man. Yeah, as long as you're paying yourself first, right? Yeah. Most important thing. Cool. I, you got to go. I don't want you to be late so quickly. Where can people find you, man? So it's at Making Money Simple on all the socials, mainly on Instagram. I also do have a TikTok and Twitter. But the main thing I want to plug would probably be just the YouTube channel. I've got one video up at the moment. and I'm going to try and aim to do one per week, which is also called Making Money Simple. Um, so I'd appreciate any sort of just watch the video, any like feedback or advice or criticisms. It's still all new to me. Just put it in the comments or DM me on Instagram. Um, but yeah, the YouTube channel, mainly then at Making Money Simple across all the different socials. Perfect. I'll and put all that in the show notes. DM me anytime. I'll get back to you with some voice notes about whatever your question is. <laughs> Beauty, awesome. Well, thanks, Ryan. It's been so much yeah. fun. Thanks again for coming on. Cheers, Jordan, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. Yes, likewise.
And that is it for episode 75, everybody. You can find all of Ryan's information in the show notes. And if you want either of those books mentioned, either Adventure Capitalist or I Will Teach You To Be Rich, please email me at highlyinvested at gmail.com or makemorecapital at gmail.com and I can send you a free PDF copy. I'd be happy to. Those are great books that he referenced as well. And that being said, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and at anchor.fm slash highlyinvested. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with any friends or like-minded individuals and if you wouldn't mind leaving a review or rating that would be fantastic as it really helps out my podcast and i would really appreciate it that being said this is your host jordan highly signing off stay highly invest in yourselves everybody till next time